We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Welcome to the Wise Not Withered show. I'm your host, Juliana. I am primarily a musician. I compose, play piano, and sing and dance with children for a living, but I've always had a passion for writing and for video games. The storytelling potential in games these days is essentially limitless, and so are the ages of the protagonists. You can read more about the Wise Not Withered global collaborative project, Phase 2.0, on my website, wisenotwithered.com. The goal of Why Is Not Withered as a whole, in all of its phases, is to expand representation of middle-aged and elderly women in a society that currently values feminine youth over wisdom. Here in Phase 1, Season 1, you'll hear inspiring life stories of various wise women that I personally know. We talk about upbringing, careers, romantic relationships, challenges, successes, and lessons learned. After each interview, I'll take a bit of time to reflect on what I learned from each woman and how her story relates to my own life. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Kirsten Melanie. I met Kirsten at a women's retreat that focused on creativity and connection. Yeah, so thank you so much for doing this. Um, So how old are you? I'm 52. 52. Okay, do you have any nicknames? If so, who gave them to you and how did they come about? Um... My, the only nickname I have is Kier, which is just my name shortened, Kirsten, yeah. and my mother gave it to me, and anybody who, so my husband calls me Kier, and my best friend calls me Kier, and that's about it. <laughs> um, so only people who know me and my mother actually use that nickname. Oh, okay. And have heard her say that to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you currently employed? I am. I'm employed full-time at the University of Missouri School of Medicine. I work in the dean's office doing faculty development. Oh, nice. How did you get into that? It was by accident, actually. <laughs> I, I never... In- well, no, that's not quite true. Um, when I moved back uh, where I live now, um, my daughter was starting kindergarten, and I was a single mother at the time, and I she was smart and I knew she would want to go to college. I had no idea how I would pay for it. So there's three, um, there's a community college and a women's college and then the university of Missouri here. And I set out to get a job at one of them so that I would get a tuition break for her. And she just finished her freshman year. So that's how I ended up there. Nice. Um, so what jobs have you had over the course of your life? Um, or maybe the most important ones. <laughs> the important ones? Yeah. I Well, I was a professional actress um, up until oh. I became a mom. So, And I worked out of New York City. I did a lot of regional theater. 
And then I started temping in New York City to get by in between gigs. And I had no idea how to type. I had never turned on a computer. And then I've spent most of my professional life being an executive assistant in some form or other until I took on that professional role at the university. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so so you said this one might be a little difficult to talk about. So just whatever you feel comfortable talking about. So talk about the romantic relationships you've had over your life. Like what kinds of people have you loved and what did you learn from each of them? Okay, well, see, I, I, as soon as I say this, I've had many romantic relationships in my life. I've been married once, um, but I've had two relationships prior to that that, each lasted about eight years. Oh, okay. um, the second one was the one that produced my beautiful daughter. <laughs> and um, I think what I've learned most of all through the relationships is that I do have a tendency to give my power away mm. and to to really guard that, um, to understand when it happens and why I do it. Um, so I reflect a lot on that. Um and I got married when I was 42. Um, I've been married, oh my gosh, almost 10 years now. So, <laughs> you, <can go>. um, <laughs> you know, and, and we're doing well. I think this, since this is the first marriage, even though I was in committed long-term relationships before, um, I was not married to either of them. And I think marriage is really different. So I'm still learning about that mm. the way, I guess, a young woman would, um, um, mm. being in a relationship, being in a committed relationship. Okay. Um, communication yeah. is hard for me because I'm completely conflict avoidant. Like, I, I, I don't like conflict. I would rather not speak, which in its own way is conflict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so learning to, to not give my power away and have my voice. Um, and at the same time, and, you know, enjoy all the lovely things that, that are about a relationship, you know, and, and, and getting to know somebody, um, on a deep and trusting level. So what, what was the catalyst that finally ended the others, the other relationships? Um, the first one we, we grew apart. Um, I was in, uh, a relationship with a much older man, a man who was about 20 years older than me. Mm. And he was at the point of his life where he was settling down. And I was at the point of my life where my career was just taking off and mm. I wanted to move to New York city and I wanted to pursue my acting career. And the two just did not go well together. Okay. Um, so that was a, a meaningful decision to, to part. And then the second one, I think, um, had a lot to do with mental illness of of my partner and his refusal to get help hmm. and me not wanting to raise my daughter in that kind of environment. Yeah. So that relationship did not end well. Hmm. Um, but it is it's at the same time it's the relationship that I got the best gift from, <laughs> which is which is my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, so now getting a, a little lighter, okay, <laughs> what <good>. is, um, <laughs> what is one item that you spend a small amount of money on, but has a lot of personal value and one item that costs a lot, but had little value after all? You know, I always think 
that I'm a, I'm the ones that cost a lot and my perception of costing a lot, probably on the scale of other people's costing a lot is very low, mm. but I, I do love to take courses and take classes. So I take a lot of online classes and I register for a lot of them. Okay. Um, and it, it's, 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 um, I don't always finish them. I don't always get as much out of them as I think I'm going to get out mm. of them. And I don't, I collect them in a way. Um, so I think one of the things I'm learning to do is, you know, I have everything I need to do the things I want to do in my life. I really do. And I, I don't need to take another class. So <laughs> learning that lesson has been, you know, you can always learn. I'm a believer in lifelong learning, but mm. I collect them the way other people like collect, you know, ceramic bunnies, like for their <laughs> shelves. So, yeah. Um, the things that cost the smallest amount, I think one of the things that I love spending money on, and I think it's totally worth it, is, is going out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and having, you know, going to, out to dinner with girlfriends, going out to dinner with my family, and just spending that time sharing a meal and and relaxing and, and talking. That's probably one of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, name two or three mentors you've had over your lifetime, excluding parents or other family members. And how did you meet these people and what did you learn from each of them? The first mentor that, that comes to mind is um, my great aunt, um, who uh, she passed away, I think, four years ago. She was 92. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a mentor for the way she lived her life with complete bravery and constant curiosity. Um, and she's a woman who, who did not have a, a lot in life as far as material wealth is concerned, mm-hmm. but she had so much love and, and so much joy in her life. Um, so when I think about someone who I want to emulate, it's her, um, and she impacted my life in a big way. Um, another mentor was a trainer that I worked with. And when I lived in New York, I, um, studied psychodrama for eight years. So I can facilitate like group psychodrama, um, and uh, what was sessions based you, you studied, on you studied what? psychodrama. Oh, psychodrama is a, a, a group psychotherapy using role-playing. Oh, um, interesting. I didn't do it as a therapist. I did it as a coach and focused on creativity and personal development. Hmm. So um, my trainer, the person that got me into that, um, I worked with her for eight years and I learned so much about from her about that craft and about what it means to be a caring, listening, empathic um, mm. person who who could facilitate change in somebody else's life. Oh wow! Um, so um, her name is Louise Lippman. So and she's in New York City. And a third mentor, I think, would. Um, my acting teacher in grad school, who um, is the first person Meisner technique from, and it was when I first began, <clears throat> even though I had studied acting my whole life and had been an actor my whole life, I kind of 
was going on instinct and a little bit of technique. And he was the first teacher where I started to really understand the actual technique and craft and how that practice could mm-hmm. could perfect the craft and how mm-hmm. you could work with it. And he has phrases that, that stick with me. And sometimes in my life, like he would say, um, you're pretending to pretend. It's a bad thing. That means you're faking it. To, you're faking, faking it. You're pretending to pretend. That's not good. Um, and things like that. So, and also um, do it truthfully and for a purpose. So when you're committing to an action, you be truthful about it and you know what the purpose is. Mm. Those are things that guide me still um, okay. about doing something truthfully for a purpose and, mm. and never pretending to pretend. That's not allowed. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. That sounds good for real life too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. So, um, getting a little heavier now, what was your first experience, um, with grief over losing someone? How old were you? Um, who was it that passed? Um, the first experience, I think I, I was about 14 when my grandfather, my father's father, passed away. Mm. Um, and I was close to him, but not not um, not incredibly close. Like, he bonded more with my cousins um, and folks like that. But I, watching the impact it had on my dad was mm. very profound. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, it's like, just before my grandfather passed, if I'm going on too much, just stop me, but just <laughs> before my grandfather passed, my dad and I found this stray dog on the way to the grocery store one night, and my dad brought the dog home, and the dog was really old, and he he tried to find the owners, but in the meantime, he kind of built a little safe bed, and he would sit out with the dog and talk to the dog, and the dog passed away. A couple of days after um, it was at our house oh, wow. and then my grandfather passed away like the next day oh. and my dad said I think the dog came to tell me something or came to 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 prepare me wow. um, so it was I've never forgotten I've forgotten that story or, or how profound that was for my father yeah wow um, so so what lessons did you learn about death that you could teach to those still living (laughs) that's yeah that's that is a hard one I think what I've learned most about it is is yeah grief is deep but the important thing is to celebrate the person celebrate the person's life um, and honor them for um, who they were in your life um I had a, my father passed away, I think about four years ago Hmm. and he and I were not very close at at the end of his life. Um, So there were a lot of things that were unsaid. Hmm. So I think, you know, it's not so much about grief, but it's about say what you need to say and have the conversations with the people that you need to have because you may not, you may never get a chance. Right. Um, so I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what is one of the biggest challenges that you've overcome, either a specific situation or simply over a long period of time? 
I think I, um, when I was living in, in New York City, I, I worked across from the World Tra- Trade Centers on September 11th um, and was, was there that day. And oh as a gosh. result of that, um, ended up being diagnosed with PTSD. And I think coming to terms with that and understanding how that imp- impacts my life, um, it really Im- impacted the choices I wanted to make around my life as my daughter was very young at the time. Um, and I was living in New York City for no good reason at the time because I had given up acting and, and I loved the city so much, you know, and I loved what it, it had to offer. But I was just existing there. It, 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 it wasn't the dynamic gem in my life, you know, that that went to New York and being an actress was before and so making choices around your values rather than just ending up somewhere Hmm. Um, so that's when I um, was the beginning of the end of that of that romantic relationship that we talked about and um, healing from the post-traumatic stress after that um, led me I don't want to say it's a gift because it's definitely not a gift, but I learned from it things that I don't think I would have learned in any other way about myself and about being human and about this this world and being part of it um, as far as citizenship is concerned and and the, the truth about what I call the illusion of America, that it's this bright, shiny thing. You know, but there's there's so much more to it than that, and and so much more to being a citizen in in this country than that. And um, so I think paying attention to um, what is most important, and I made the choice at that time to put put my my daughter's life ahead of all of that, and to to try to move from existing and getting by into thriving in a different kind of way Hmm. um and i feel like i've succeeded at that um you know life is life is good and dreams have come true and um so that that has been a profound and and kind of a long journey yeah yeah wow thank you for that sorry that's that just (laughs) wow (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) so you you mentioned your daughter um so um what things do you feel like you've been able to accomplish because of your daughter you only only have one child just one daughter yes okay Mm -hmm. one child well I think that I have uh she's really taught me to be myself you Mm -hmm. know because to to be honest and She's really honest about who she is and knowing someone that well. I mean, I I know my daughter better than I've ever known anyone in my entire (laughs) life. And I think that's just the way it is with with your child. And maybe that's not true for everyone, um, but it's definitely true for us. And and I trust her implicitly with anything. and, And I feel like she trusts me implicitly with anything and having that level of trust with someone is something I've never experienced (laughs) before like my mother and I had a real have a have a really great relationship 
but it's different from the other side. It's mm. different from the mom's side than it is from, from the daughter's side. Yeah, yeah. So, um... And your daughter is, like, 19, 20? She's 19. Okay. Yeah. So, um... And I think, um, sense of humor. <laughs> she has a fabulous sense of humor, so, um, we really, we really enjoy that. Um, but I think the kind of love that you experience where it really doesn't have any conditions on it. It's pure, you know, a pure kind of love where you're going to love that person no matter what and be there for them no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, and you want them to be as free as they absolutely can be at the same time. Um, And, and that is a a new kind of love in my life that I didn't experience until her. Okay. Um, so what would you consider your greatest success in life so far? <sighs> I, I don't think it has anything to do with accomplishments. I think it has to do with the way I've decided to live my life, like, like deciding to always to continue growing and to stay curious and to continually learn and develop myself. Um, a lot of people, I think my age are thinking about retirement as a way to, you know, quit working and, and, you know, go sit on a beach somewhere or, (laughs) you know, survive to the best that they can on their pension or, or whatever. And I'm, at the point where I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to retire in a certain amount of years. I want to develop a career, an independent career for myself to have then, you know, so that I have, I am, I'm doing work that's truly fulfilling and comes from a sense of my purpose and passion right. at that time. If I can yeah. pull that off before I retire, even better, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But I think that that's my greatest accomplishment is, is, um, always, always having, having hope to learn and understand and share more. Great, great, great. And were you the person who was making those really pretty books? I was, I am, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's a hobby. And, um, eventually I hope to, to open a little Etsy store and put them up there. Um, but so I, you know, I have a lot going on now. I'm, I'm, going back to school to get a master's degree oh, and wow. you know I'm enjoying making art and and crafts and mm-hmm. um teaching acting again and and so there's a lot a lot going on so nice what are you getting your master's in I'm getting a master's in data science and analytics focusing oh. on human centered design for data Oh, wow. Okay. So that was just kind of an accident. It was an opportunity. A door opened up and I'm like, okay, sure. I'll walk through that door. (laughs) Cool. So how about your greatest failure so far? Well, I don't know so far. It sounds good with that question. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no. Or what, what have you learned from the greatest failure maybe at the time? I think that all of my failures stem from the same thing. Hmm is and that's being afraid Hmm. you know being afraid to put myself out there um 
being afraid to brag about myself in a way that that promotes you know who I can you know what I can do for someone else mm-hmm. um being afraid to to take a chance so um I still question and I don't know if this was the time I was growing up or not where I say you know I, I if when I'm writing for the blog or something like that can I say that you know and when I get past that giving myself permission and questioning myself because of fear of how other people will perceive me. Hmm. That is the worst way to write anything. And it's the worst way to live. Yes. (laughs) Um, Is, is that self-consciousness and fear that that self-consciousness brings with it. Hmm, Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. (laughs) Like a lot of people need to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) So was there a defining moment in your life when you felt you became an adult or was it sort of a gradual transition? No, it it was kind of gradual. I think that I was a very old soul as a kid. <laughs> um, and um, have always been kind of a survivor person, you know, like, like I'll handle it. And now I think the the thing about being an adult is interesting where I have a 19 year old daughter and I have an 82, 82 year old mother and they both need care in, in very different ways. Right, yeah. And so that feels very adult to be in between, in, in between those two. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. In what ways do you believe you've made the most impact on the world and other people? Yeah, that's the the thing that came to mind when I read that question is, um, I don't think we know. Right. Mm. You know, Mm. um, I went, when, when my father passed away, I went home to Texas and I spent time with my stepmother and, um, she said to me, I'm still reading A Course in Miracles. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And I was like, why is she telling me that? I don't, you know, what? And she's like, well, ever since, you know, you came to visit that time and you told me about it, I went and got a copy and I've been reading it every day since then. And that was like years ago. Oh, wow. And it's had a very profound effect on her life. You know, so you don't know what you share just may seem so little and so inconsequential Mm -hmm. um, about how you show up with other people and what you share with them. Um, And if you're honest with them about the things that are inspiring you and what you're learning in that moment and they pick it up and you may never know, but it could have a profound impact on their life. Mm, Right. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's the thing with writing too, like going back to that, Oh, am I allowed to say this Mm -hmm. in my writing or, or my sharing or, or whatever I do, if if you're really honest and, and and sharing things you love and sharing things that have meaning to you and how you interpret them, you never know what that's going to do for somebody else. Right, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I love that. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> Is there anything you've always wanted to talk about that no one has ever asked you about? Not really. <laughs> I, I think I kind of put it all out there most of the time. You know, um, 
one of the things that I am, I'm introverted and, and quiet. And I'm one of those people who is, who likes to take the whole thing in before I like jump in there and, and participate. And I, I wish just in general, people noticed introverts more in Mm. those kinds of situations, you know, to, to invite them in, not in a like, Hey, join the club, you know, in an extroverted fashion, but just, you know, what's going on? What are you seeing? What, you know, that kind of thing, just in general. Um, but I think more perspectives, once I have an open door, I will just keep blabbing and sharing and (laughs) participating. Yeah. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, so what piece of advice would you share with younger women that you wish you had known when you were younger to give yourself permission earlier Hmm. to be what, who you want to be without fear of what other people think? Yeah. You know, it took me, it's, I'm still getting over that kind of programming, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like how you're raised. I wish that I had dropped that self-consciousness so much younger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is definitely a really hard one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, those are all the questions I have. This, this has been really great. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> thank you so much for including me. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I just I just loved everything you said. <laughs> After listening to my conversation with Kirsten Melanie again, I guess I hadn't really processed this until after. Um but I just really admire her foresight in that she set out to get a job at a university so that she could get a tuition break for her daughter. It's something I've never considered since I don't have any children. Um, And I just thought that was really just very forward thinking of her. Um, Also, what she said about doing things truthfully and with purpose, that really reminds me of a piece of advice that my dad would always say when I was growing up, to always be deliberate and to live deliberately. And what she said about making choices around your values rather than just ending up somewhere, that really resonated with me as well. Um, I think it's really easy to get comfortable and to not really question your life and what you're doing. And I think it's, we can get trapped in situations that we're not really happy in, but we're not really unhappy or I guess not unhappy enough to get out of it. And I guess, um, like she kind of mentioned, she moved from existing and just getting by into actually thriving in a different way. And I found that very inspiring. I also really loved what she said about the impact you have on people, um, how sometimes you never know, um, I feel like you can give people advice, you know, hoping that it'll change and it'll just fall flat and, you know, people don't, they won't actually listen to you. But then the flip side could also happen where you say one thing to one person once and it completely changes their life. So it's just interesting to think about, I guess, with that kind of stuff also, Maybe one-time encounters 
even with strangers, um, it's just interesting to think about the different kinds of impact that we can have on people that we may not ever realize. Thanks for listening to the Wise Not Withered show. If you found this episode particularly interesting or inspiring, please leave a comment, share, and subscribe. Check out wisenotwithered.com for interview partial transcripts, as well as updates about Phase 2, the Global Collaborative Project. Head on over to the Wise Not Withered Instagram page for inspirational quotes from each interview. Join the Wise Not Withered movement by sharing your own story or by interviewing a wise woman in your life and sharing through your favorite social media platform. Use the hashtag WiseNotWithered. Thanks again.